it, how long have we been doing this show? You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 203. It is a Saturday, June 29th, 2019. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, we have so much to talk about this week. And in this case, I really mean it. So many things that we cannot and will not talk about this week. We are not going to talk about Peyton Royce's Twitter or Instagram. We are not going to talk about... Seth Rollins and Will Ospreay getting into a fight with each other on Twitter yes. over who's better. We are going to talk about Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff <laughs> being named the, and I quote, executive directors of Raw and SmackDown, respectively. <laughs> they start imminently. Apparently they were advertised for TV, but that was a mistake. But now because they were advertised for television this week, they might be on TV this week. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff in response to the second quarter ending with on a down note with bad attendance and bad TV ratings. In response to those bad numbers at the end of the quarter and the fact that Vince McMahon is going to get on a telephone call with investors in a week or two here and have to give answers. They've hired whatever an executive director is for to run to run raw and to run SmackDown. And those two people are people that have are abject failures at running wrestling promotions. And Vince's biggest competition from 20 years ago. Uh-huh. Where do we even begin with this? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, my the first thing I saw when I when I saw this news, it's first thing I just assumed like I think most people did was oh, okay, they're doing GMs, they're going to be on TV. Right. It's weird, but whatever. And then you read the article, the Sports Illustrated article, where this news broke. Um. And it's like, no, this is real. And as of when that article was written, was not planned to be a television storyline at all. <laughs> These guys are have real power. They're going to be answering directly to Vince McMahon. And allegedly, they're going to be overseeing the shows. As I guess they're not, I mean, obviously, they're not called head writer or booker. But it sounds like that's what they are. Um, <laughs> I just... What a strange and just absolutely like cosmically weird and hilarious thing it is that in 2019, with ratings in the toilet, he's about to relaunch the XFL, and Vince McMahon looked around and said, I need Eric Bischoff. (laughs) Eric Bischoff is going to turn my show around. 
what a biz- I I don't know what to say. It's so weird. Not in a million years did I ever see Paul Heyman or Eric Bischoff getting put in any sort of executive role, creative or otherwise, for World Wrestling Entertainment. It's it's mind-boggling for millions of reasons. <laughs> but the fact that of the two, Paul has been with the company in some shape or form since, what, 2012 on this run? Yeah. Because they tried to bring in Brock by himself, and Brock Brock don't speak so good. Yeah. So they had to they had to bring uh, Paul Heyman in off the street. Right. So Paul's been there at least for you know six or seven years, and if you watch stuff like the Alexa Bliss three sixty five that was on the network after the pay per view last weekend, uh, Paul was like giving her input on um, her talk show segment, and if you just look at how certain main events are laid out like the Goldberg Undertaker match at uh, the last Saudi show before <laughs> Goldberg ran his head into a post. It, just, it, had, it had Paul Heyman written all over it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you just look at, you know, a lot of Braun Strowman stuff and obviously stuff that Brock is involved in and stuff that Ronda was involved in when she was around, Paul's fingerprints creatively have been on the product a lot for the last, you know, six or seven years, at least sure. with at least with top stuff. Plus, Paul, right or wrong, has the reputation of being a wrestling genius. And some That's would say the financial part of wrestling. <laughs> but Right. Well, maybe the... he he had no choice. He 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 tried to run a national company when he had no hope of running a national company. He was too big. He was too big to be a regional company. And he was too small to be a national company. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, but anyway, but Eric, Eric has not been on TV or, ha, ha, you know, uh, on, in, he hasn't been in WWE since 2007 on a regular basis. He hasn't been in TNA since 2012. Hogan left whenever Hogan left. Hogan leave it in uh, Hogan 13? was on TV until 13. Uh, okay. Yeah, and I guess yeah. Bischoff was there until around that same point. Okay, so Eric, Eric has been out of the business for for five or six years now. And what about his stupid podcast? All right, if you're into Eric Bischoff as a communicator, which for all of his faults, he is an extremely gifted communicator. Mm-hmm. You you can do worse than listen than listening to Eric's podcast. Anyway, <laughs> that said, um, sorry for derailing. Eric has been out <laughs> of mainstream professional wrestling for, at the very least, about seven years. Sure. What's he going to bring to the table other than he used to sell reality shows to like country music television and he sold one to NBC involving Paris Hilton's mom uh, when he was uh, partners with Jason Hervey. Um, he doesn't sell too many television shows anymore, but at least he has a lot of experience dealing with uh, TV network executives. And so WWE has made him the point person, it would appear, for the uh, their relationship with Fox. I mean, that that at least makes sense in a weird way. If the idea is he's just kind of a middleman 
I mean, does that does that make it sound like though that Fox is going to be like really hands on as far as like a creative direction for the show goes? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what it means. <laughs> because if if not, I like how often are you going to have to deal with executives so much that you need a middleman to deal with them? If if unless they're going to be like super hands on with like the way the show is produced, with storylines, with uh, you know creative creative and, and you need a guy who's like really smooth and knows how to talk to network executives and 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 but i mean if you if you just needed him to be a middleman or go between between the vince side and the fox side i mean that that makes as much sense as anything but because as far as we know this is in nature supposed to be like a head of creative type position the idea that bischoff was brought in because he's good with network execs doesn't make sense to me unless the <laughs> implication is that Fox network network executives are going to be involved or want to be involved or are very ha- are going to be very hands on with WWE's like week to week creative. That's one possibility. The other possibility is that at least as of whenever this decision was made, Vince actually intends to turn over the reins. <laughs> And he has to pick the only two guys around that have run nationally, right? I I get like <laughs> so. What's Hunter doing? That's that's interesting. I don't know. I <laughs> I don't know. He's running. He's running an XT. <laughs> I that's that's the most bizarre part of this to me, and and I I'm sure as the these next few weeks as they begin to this transition period we'll get more details, but yeah, that's, that to me is I think the most interesting part because the way it was phrased in that, in that sports illustrated article was not, uh, you know, they're, they're on the creative team. It's they're in charge and they answered directly to Vince. There's no mention of Paul Levesque in there anywhere. So I found that very interesting. Yeah. Well, to me, it's protecting, it's protecting triple H. (laughs) Um, you can't fire your son-in-law. <laughs> sure. You can fire you can fire Eric Bischoff or Paul Heyman. <laughs> and you probably will. <laughs> I mean, honest to God, what's the over-under on, on how long the this thing lasts with, with each? A year? I mean I'm <laughs> s- I'm gonna say longer than Bill Watts lasted in nineteen ninety-five. Well, I guess yeah, well, we shall we have to talk about that too. So Vince brought in Bill Watts in nineteen ninety-five and supposedly turned over creative to him because business was in the crapper and Vince didn't know how to fix it. Sound familiar? (laughs) So he turned creative over to Bill Watts and Bill Watts was old school, mid South Southern wrestling. And he wanted a a champ who knew how to wrestle. And so he wanted to push Bret Hart, but Vince had already decided to move past pushing Bret and wanted to push Sean. (laughs) So, so Bill Watts lasted three weeks. (laughs) Right. So what happens when uh, Eric gets in there and Eric's like uh, Mustafa Ali, sorry, Ali is my top baby face. And Vince is like, no, Roman Reigns is your top is your top baby face. <laughs> what, what happens? Right. What happens? Right. What happens when you decide when somebody wants to push? Let's say you call somebody wants to let's say Paul Heyman wants to call up Matt Riddle and make him a top guy on Raw. Oh, yeah, which is and like Vince looks at him and goes, yeah, he's got a neck like a stack of dimes. 
right he's 204 pounds (laughs) right exactly i don't know man like i don't it this is this is such a bizarre scenario because as we mentioned the only really thing you can compare it to is the bill watts thing which lasted a very short amount of time because there's never been a time where even when he's brought in these other creative points obviously Paul Heyman was a was the writer head writer for SmackDown for a while. That didn't work out. He was the head writer of the the relaunch of ECW. And that didn't work out again because I, I I'm guessing Paul Heyman was not the guy who wanted to push like <laughs> Bobby Lashley in the Big Show over CM Punk and Rob Van Dam. Yeah, um, his, his SmackDown run was a lot better. I mean, his SmackDown run, you know, he did hot shot a lot like he put a tlc match on tv uh but and he also he also had a ridiculous ridiculously stacked roster to work with he had oh, angle yeah. angle and edge and mysterio and uh he who shall not be named and mm-hmm. eddie and like he, he had a ridiculous and you know brock, brock he had a, young cena yeah he had a he had a ridiculous roster but he he did well uh and smackdown was a good show i watched every week it was really good yeah, so at least again, that's I mean, that just goes back to okay, we have <laughs> at least in this millennium, <laughs> we have proof that Paul Heyman has a watched the product and B has written some good shows. It's still 16 years ago, dude. Oh, 16. sure, I'm not, <laughs> but it's more recent than what was the last time Eric Bischoff was had good creative 1998. Mm, good creative was 97 last That's time he had, yeah. he had he had success was night you know like summer 98 yeah i mean yeah <laughs> that's i mean the right the sting the sting hollywood angle yeah and, it was great yeah that was awesome and that was right 1997 yeah so paul has had some more recent success as far as <laughs> being a writer although as you mentioned while he may be sort of have his hands in it i don't i don't he wasn't necessarily sitting down writing segments or or planning right. out everything. He was helping execute right. uh, you know, other people's visions with the Brock stuff, with the Rhonda stuff and all that. So right. it's a complete theoretically, if we are to believe what this sports illustrated and what the WWE press release uh implied, this is not that. This is he's in charge, he answers to Vince, same with, with Bischoff on SmackDown. And it's just how could right, how 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 does this go other than yes? there are fall guys in place that you can either fire or remove from or demote or whatever, if things don't get better, but, and obviously Vince has a football league to run, but (laughs) well, that's the other thing. It's like, is, as you uh, brought up a couple minutes ago, like, is this because the XFL is going to be Vince's main priority? For that, for at least for those first couple of years, while they're while they're trying to make that thing profitable, assuming it lasts a couple of years. Um, well, it, it has the money to last a couple of years. Like, true, unlike the AAF, who <laughs> didn't have the money to last a couple of weeks, even before it's, it, it almost there's that piece that ESPN.com did a few weeks ago about the the Alliance of American Football. Uh, just tremendous. I know this is off topic, but they what? they almost ran out of money before they ran their first game. They were very close to going out of business in like December. <laughs> right. So we know Vince has at least enough money to do two or three seasons. Right. So if, if that means, okay, Vince is going to be 
really focused on the XFL and making sure that's a success. And so he just wants to, so he's just putting other people in charge <laughs> of creative. And again, as you said, but if, if things don't get better, then he's also, it's, you can't fire Stephanie or Hunter, right? But you can fire. You probably fire Shane. <laughs> probably fire Shane, but he's not going to fire Stephanie or Hunter. So rather than put either of them in that position, you put guys who uh, are expendable. I guess are a little more expendable. That's that's the only other angle on this. Is that yes, as you mentioned, you you protect Hunter, and I guess Steph would be the other option for that position, and you let. You let Bischoff and Heyman sink or swim and <laughs> answer in advance. I don't know. It's so weird. You, it's such you a ever, weird story. You ever worked with a control freak <laughs> or worked under a control freak? Yes. <laughs> it's not you fun. Ever, no, no. You like being micromanaged? <laughs> the worst. <laughs> how do you One of the worst things. How do you, how do you think it's going to go working for Vince? <laughs> Even if he, you know, you have quote unquote decision making power, how do you think that's right. going to go? <laughs> and it's like, and everyone always, you know, the, the famous line that everyone always brings up when you talk about arguing with Vince is, you know, the pick your hill to die on. Because at a certain point, if, if assuming they want to keep their jobs, they aren't going to argue every single time that Vince overrules them. So they're eventually they're going to go, yeah, but yeah, but okay. All right, let's, I'll do whatever you want, boss. <laughs> And what they will get for for being a good soldier is probably <laughs> fired if if things don't turn around. It's it's bizarre. It's bizarre that again I keep coming back to the idea that he would be like that Vince McMahon would be so out of sorts that he would turn <laughs> to Eric Bischoff. The idea that these two guys in particular were hired to keep them away from AEW among other things has been floated by the wrestling observer people. And if you've heard you, the wrestling observer people now <laughs> I do, I do work for the wrestling observer website now. Yes. Um, <laughs> but Dave and Brian at WrestlingObserver.com have been uh, saying that maybe this part of the reason for this was that it was done to keep Paul and Eric away from AEW. And Brian is like, well, it's ridiculous because why would you be afraid of Eric going to AEW? But if you've heard interviews with Cody over the last year, he's talked about what a great influence Eric Bischoff has been on him <laughs> and presenting the idea of giving the fans a wrestling buffet and that he has that thought in mind when he's booking. So maybe that's not the most ridiculous idea and maybe... What do you think of the component of this of, well, maybe at least a percentage of this was to keep those two guys away from AEW? I mean, I, I guess it's possible the way, the way you laid it out there makes, makes sense. Um, I, mean, I, I can't see a scenario where Heyman was ever going to leave. As long as Brock's there and he has been, you know, as you mentioned, sort of mentoring a lot of the, the younger or, you know, less television years uh, talents. He's a lot of those backstage WWE 24s. There's at least one or two scenes of them talking to, to Paul Heyman backstage. And <laughs> so, and I don't think that's an accident on Paul's part. I think he wants to, you know, he's, he's making friends 
Yep. Um, yep. Which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that's who Paul Heyman is. Yep. Um, but I, so I never, I don't buy that they were worried that Paul was going to leave. Um, I can believe that they would think maybe Bischoff was going. But <laughs> if, again, if we are to believe that this position has the power that it does, I don't believe that their move to keep him away would have been come be the head head booker writer whatever for SmackDown. Like if they were just worried about that, I could see them offering him like an on-screen role or or something, but the idea that they they would do this and make a move like this just because they were afraid or but yeah, maybe that is a component to it. Maybe that is it's like it maybe it's just the perfect storm of Vince is desperate. He feels like he needs uh, you know, guys who will who will turn the business around. And also if if you keep them out of uh out of Cody's clutches for at least another, you know, however long they last in this job, maybe that's just uh maybe that's just like the cherry on top. All right. So Eric, I know that uh you have no room in your heart or your soul uh, for any of the Conrad Thompson podcasts, but I listen to uh, most of them. And from listening to Eric's podcast, I have gathered that he understands certain aspects of creative. He understands the stories need to have a beginning, a middle and an end. <laughs> and he understands that the hero should come out on top at the end. Does he? Well, <laughs> In principle, at least, it sure sounds like he understands that. But mm. we have very little evidence to suggest <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> that Eric knows what's best. Particularly when, you know, who his best friend in wrestling is. Yes. <laughs> his best friend in wrestling is Hulk Hogan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan, who talked himself into out of a fast or into a fast count at <laughs> uh, out of a fast count <laughs> at Starcade '97, he talked Nick Patrick into not fast counting after he hit the leg drop on Sting. There we go. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It seems I, hey, I put over Goldberg that next summer though, because he's a giving man, one of the boys. He did, but the the arrangement was he had the, he was going to beat Goldberg first. Yes. <laughs> From before he dropped the belt to him. And then after he dropped the belt to him, he and Nash cooked up the scenario where Hogan gave Nash the right to beat Goldberg first, as long as Hogan got the title back. <laughs> you could write a whole book just on like weird maneuverings between Nash and Hogan. Oh from, yeah. From ninety-seven to ninety-nine. Yeah. They're they're cool now, right? I think so. I think they've done some like appearances together and stuff. Yeah, that's right. They did that one NWO one last year that was like 500 bucks to attend or something. I can't believe it. I think it was a bid, wasn't it? Maybe. Maybe. Some, there were, maybe that was like for the VIP package. It was like, it wasn't even a set price. You had to bid on them. Hopefully there are people around Eric that can catch him up on 2019 wrestling. That would be nice. Um, he has the two-hour show to preside over instead of the three-hour show. So. Sure. Uh, so that's cool. The other part of this that we haven't talked about yet is the fact that because of the stupid wild card rule, 
And because of the fact that they have never been able to stick to any brand split that they've made, <laughs> Eric, Eric and Paul are going to have to work together. Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't, I mean, I know they did like a little bit of stuff together in like 05, 06 for some of those ECW shows, but yeah, I mean, they're, it's not like these guys are best friends and it's like, maybe they'll find like some commiseration though, in both having to answer to an insane old man whose brain has slowly <laughs> been rotting over the last however many years. Maybe that maybe that's where they find their friendship is uh, is in sharing stories about the notes they got on TV from 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 grandpa. As we maybe try to put tie tie all of this up in a bow somehow. Other than there's a whole lot we don't know, and there's a whole lot that, as you said, we'll know as more details come out. Paul talks to the dirt cheat guys, so <laughs> right. I'm I'm sure. There will be details on this that leak out. Eric, depending on what day of the week it is, talks to dirt sheet guys. So uh, we may get some real details on this uh, fairly soon. But even if we don't get them, you know, like this week, eventually here, what whatever happened is going to to shake out. But if we so we, we try to to put a bow around things here, I will say I am not as viscerally negative on this move as maybe mo uh, maybe most of the wrestling pundits are. Not that I'm a wrestling pundit, but I, I am more eager to see how this plays out and willing to give, yes, even Eric Bischoff uh, the benefit of a doubt <laughs> I, uh, and to see what they bring to the table in 2019. It, maybe, maybe I'm insane, am I? I mean, I mean, maybe a little bit, but <laughs> it's also that even if these guys are brilliant and they both still got it and the <laughs> shows are and they're ready to light the territory on fire, they still got to answer to the old man. And maybe also to Paul and Kevin Dunn and whoever else. <laughs> like, we, like once I mean, once we figure out what the actual what the pecking order of all of this is going to be. It's like even if they don't have to answer to Triple H and they don't, uh, you know, they're they still are going to have to answer to the old man. And I feel like this, no matter what happens with the XFL, I just don't see a scenario where Vince is like truly hands off. And the other thing is, I mean, this is like a thing where like WWE shareholders only trust Vince McMahon to be in charge. So he has to at least appear to be in charge, even if he does start to take a step back. So it might even be hard to tell. <laughs> uh, maybe if, hey, if the shows get better, that might be a sign that he's taking a step back. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to expect. Like you said, you can ex we have a little bit more of an idea of maybe what to expect from a Paul Heyman show. Um, but yes, I, don't, I, I really can't imagine an Eric Bischoff run show in 2019. Uh, but I also just keep coming back to, even if he does have a lot of ideas and he's great with the network execs and he's, you know, as, as, uh, as lucid as ever, it's still <laughs> the old man's show <laughs> and it will be until he dies and he won't die until he's like 110. 
So I just I don't I don't know I don't know what to expect. <laughs> any like I my brain is broken. This story has broken my brain. <laughs> it's we're recording on a goddamn Saturday. Like I'm so <laughs> I'm so out of it. Here, okay, so we know the okay. So maybe when Eric came back to TNA in 2010, and we saw what he had creatively right away which was go up against raw on monday nights and bring in hogan and the nasty boys and jimmy hart uh scott hall, scott hall kevin nash and x-pac um let's see okay maybe that wasn't uh, the, the biggest the greatest representation of eric's ideas because well going on monday night was 100 percent eric's idea but the rest of it was it was hulk and hulk's always going to take care of his cronies so sure Let's just go back. Also, convince them to go live every week and that, and <laughs> to tour and that, yeah, hurt them tremendously financially. Oh yeah. So let's just go back to the original uh, Eric Bischoff Monday Nitro, which was okay. He wanted um, the cruiserweights to go out there and have what he called car crash matches at the top of the show, and then he had his stars cutting promos the rest of the show and two stars wrestle in the main event. Okay, cool. Uh, every match now is the style that a cruiserweight match was in, in 1996. Sure. So what do you do that set to set the in-ring apart? And uh, there are no stars like there were in 1996. So what do we do? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you, you start, I guess, you could, again, there are short-term fixes. Like I mean, we, we've talked about that recently on the show. Otherwise, how in desperate need of, of fresh heels they are. But again, to build those up. You, so like, <laughs> do you bring up the undisputed era and have them beat Finn and all those other mid-level guys? And then you build them up for, and you build Adam Cole up for Roman and you build up, you know, the tag, the tag team guys for whoever. And you just, or, you know, you let's see, again, you bring up Matt Riddle or Keith Lee or Punisher Martinez or anybody, plenty of talented people. But it's like, yes, do you do you try to find your next your next next top guy? And you does he go for another like Goldberg type guy and try to build, you know, build build the baby face like an Aleister Black or somebody from scratch and have them just beat everybody for six months or a year? I don't know. These are all ideas. There's ideas in there that work, but as you mentioned, the idea, it's harder to do a a wrestling variety show now, I think. Um, especially in WWE, where everyone is generally trained to wrestle the same, and the matches are generally agented the same, and everybody cuts promos the same way. So, that would be another thing I'd like to see. Does the way promos are cut change? We haven't really talked about that at all, but uh, if if there's more creative freedom uh, given via Paul or and or Eric to the talent to sort of sink and sink or swim on their own as as promos as characters, I think that could be interesting. Um, will there be less Shane McMahon? <laughs> if I... Eric Bischoff promises me that there will be no or very little Shane McMahon on the shows every week, <laughs> look, he's got he's got. <laughs> Got your vote. He's got my attention. What if he comes in and doubles down on the amount of shame McMahon because he wants to keep his job? Uh, yeah, that's not, that sounds more likely. <laughs> that's uh, 
that seems like the more likely uh, scenario here. Um, but boy, sure would be nice if there was less Shane McMahon on my TV. And yeah, <laughs> what, like... a, what a time to be alive. Is this not the the craziest story ever? <laughs> I just I I'm trying to think of if we keep, this all broke on what Thursday morning. Yeah, and if like if you ask me Wednesday evening, what are the odds that Eric Bischoff <laughs> is brought not only brought back to WWE but brought back and put in an executive creative role <laughs> and put in charge of one of the two main shows? I would have said that is some like. This is the weirdest, like, fantasy, like, T.E.W. stuff. Yeah. Like, this is, this is like, this is like wrestling Mad Libs. This is like, if you ever see one of those, like, you know, Mad Libs wrestling bots on Twitter. Yes. Where it's just, like, random name beat random person and random stip match. Yes. It's like, that's what this, this story feels like to me. It's like, you picked some names out of a hat and you said they're the new <laughs> creator, head writers of Raw and SmackDown. <laughs> And it, what a what a just bizarre and strange world the the year twenty nineteen has been for professional wrestling. As you pointed out to me privately, there is a not zero percent chance that Vince Russo ends up back in WWE. I don't think it's impossible. <laughs> Which again, maybe a week ago, I would have <laughs> said no, no, they'd never be that desperate. They never do something that that stupid. But I don't think it's impossible because. Who else? Like, that's that's a guy who had a lot of success there, and the narrative told by everybody, and especially in WWE, is he was great when Vince was there to rein him in, and it was it was when he was left to his own devices that he uh, that he self destructed. So I can just imagine Vince having that in his head, like, man, we need that guy who wrote for us in '99. Like, <laughs> we were, we, you know, the business was never hotter. And yeah, he was he was crazy, and he flamed out in WCW. But that's because he didn't have me there to to <laughs> to back him up and to to rein him in. Like I can just I can see that pitch being made, or him coming to that conclusion on his own. I'm just I'm like I'm not saying that's likely, but I but with the advent of what has happened in the last 48 hours or so, I don't think it's impossible. If you would have asked me on Wednesday night. Not what are the chances are Eric comes back in an executive role. If you'd ask me, what are the chances that Eric comes back as a television character? I would have said 10%. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let alone coming back and running their most important television property because it's in, you know, 20 million more homes than USA. Right. <laughs> and is, you know, paying them nearly as much money. It's <laughs> what a bizarre, bizarre time. <laughs> I just, it's just, it's broken my brain. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't, again, it's like, I can't even, I'm not saying I, I hate it or I'm angry about it, but it's just so bizarre. It's nothing I could have predicted. Um, <sighs> I hope one of them gives Sid a call. <laughs> Something that Vince, uh, Eric, and Paul all have in common, as was pointed out by someone on Twitter, is that at a certain points in their uh, in their careers as bookers, they all brought in Sid and had him squash top guys. 
I've heard worse ideas. Not today, but I've heard worse ideas. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. In f- let's see. A few hours from when we're recording this, uh, New Japan's first Australian showdown show will be over. That's exciting. Sure. <laughs> and uh, Matt Taven's still your Ring of Honor world champion. Sure is. Uh, well, all-star Matt Taven. Yeah, yeah. I guess we'll find out. I think whether or not we do a show uh, right away this coming week depends on the fallout from this news on Monday and Tuesday, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, if they're on TV because they were accidentally advertised <laughs> to be on television. Yes. And if you saw the ad for SmackDown, Bischoff is in the middle of the poster. It's not even like <laughs> they mention his name in passing. Like, no, it's see what happens when Eric Bischoff shows up on SmackDown, like or is ready to turn SmackDown around or whatever it said. Um, so it, it would be it would be awkward if they just try to ignore it. But. I mean, you could you could just say it was an accident. We had a miscommunication. These guys aren't television characters, <laughs> but we'll see. So yeah, we will. We'll, as I as I like to say uh, occasionally, we will file uh, that one under. We'll see as to whether or not we will do a show uh, this coming week. Alrighty, so. Uh... That, that'll do it for this emergency edition of the rest of my life. <laughs> I can't believe we had to do a breaking news show on Eric Bischoff, something <laughs> Eric Bischoff is doing. In 2019, it is almost July of 2019. It's been 21 years since he was relevant. Year of our business. Lord. <laughs> our Lord, of course, being Jushin Thunderliger. Um, I don't know, man. This is just... It's weird. It's a weird story. Everything in wrestling is weird now. All right. Go to sleep. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Ethan. (laughs) Liam. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. Um, so who won the second night of the debate? Uh, I would say Harris.
I would too. Like I think I'm that's I'm not a fan of hers, <laughs> but yeah, if we're being honest, she had like four if if winning means having four or five, like she had the most standout moment. She had good lines. Uh, she had some substantive policy ideas when it came to immigration reform, and then she uh, murdered Joe Biden live <laughs> live on television in front of the entire world. Yeah, she did. I didn't think it was a good night uh, to be an old white man. No. Um, yeah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Joe, Joe was awful. I mean, Bernie's gonna do Bernie stuff, you know? Like... <laughs> It, I, he does the thing that I mean. He, I didn't think he had a particularly good night. I didn't think he was awful. He hit all his greatest hits, and the thing that I don't think he played into enough is that um, everything that is now pretty much a mainstay of everyone running, yeah, is stuff that uh, he campaigned on in sixteen <laughs> that and was called insane for, right. Um, so I kind of am surprised that he didn't take maybe a slightly more adversarial or, I don't know, try to take a victory lap on that. Cause a lot of people were agreeing with him <laughs> and, you know, a lot of the people up there co-sponsored his Medicare for all bill. So mm-hmm. over, the, over the two nights. So I was surprised to not see him sort of bring that up a little bit more. Maybe there's not a way to do that without looking like a little, or too pompous or something. And it's tough for me to really say that any of these debates matter because at least this first one anyway, when there's, when there's 20 people, because oh. you know, the first primary isn't until February. So it, like the whole, the format is bloody awful. Like it's <laughs> awful. The moderators are bad. Yes. Chuck Todd just goes straight to hell. Why can't we just have Lester Holt moderate the damn thing? I thought he was fine. I thought Savannah <laughs> Guthrie was fine. Either one of them or both of them together would have probably been fine and been plenty. Right. We didn't need third unnamed white guy and we didn't need Rachel Maddow doing shtick <laughs> and we didn't need Chuck Todd. No one needs Chuck Todd. <laughs> the worst man who's ever lived. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was, was sitting there watching something the other night and I'm like, uh, uh, Liam's going, I was Told Anna, I'm like Liam's going off on Chuck Todd, and she's like, shake, she's like shaking her head. She's like, have, have you two ever talked about the fact that you both hate Chuck Todd? <laughs> I I don't think so. I don't think I've ever brought it up. I, but we we shared DNA, so it <laughs> <laughs> probably explains a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, we instinctively hate most of the same people. <laughs> Chuck Todd sucks. Mm-hmm. He's terrible. Yeah. I try to keep on keeping on.